The Commentary Booth is a show for media lovers by media lovers just like you. If you want to support the show, go to pariomagazine.com.au. Welcome to the Commentary Booth, where we watch and you guessed it, commentate on the week that was in movies and TV. I'm your host and play-by-play commentator, Jamie Apps, and each week I'm joined by a rotating cast of colour commentators to help you find your next viewing treat. This week I'm joined by an impact fee technician who lists their favourite movie as A Nightmare on Elm Street and favourite TV show as Golden Girls. Welcome to the margarita-fueled show, Karina Maybe. Yes, that's right. I had to have a, a nice drink to end out our lovely series here. So it's my celebratory margarita, is what I'm going to call it. I was going to say, is it celebratory or is it The Last of Us has driven you to the bottle? It's a bit of both. It's going to just depend on what day you ask me. <laughs> but yes, I fully uh, blame the show for my increase in alcohol on a daily basis. Well, I guess today we're covering the finale of the show. But it's been a rough road. At least this episode isn't, like, incredibly sad and depressing. No, it's just that everything else has been incredibly sad and depressing. I mean, at least we're ending it on a positive, little bit of a lighter note, even though we're still kind of in a dismal kind of environment and time. Yep. So we're back to wrap up our the last of us review series today looking at episode nine which sees ellie and joel in the final stretch of their journey arriving to where the fireflies are and potentially finding a cure what did you think of this episode by itself um the episode is great again bravo to the cast and everything and everyone involved in it um it was just another spot on episode for me I think it was a really great conclusion. Having not played the game and seeing the ending of the game, I don't really know how well it does justice to that ending, but I feel like it was a great, great ending to the the first season of this entire series. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so this ends as expected directly from the game. It's a really emotional episode rather than crazy action heavy, although there is a very significant action sequence in this episode. I think the most compelling thing about this episode for me was from the very beginning, the cold open and the added lore that we get here that has been something that people have been clamoring for since that original game came out. And that is kind of the origin story of Ellie and her immunity. Mm -hmm. So we'll dive into that now. And for everyone, this is going to be full spoilers if you haven't watched the finale as all of our previous episodes have been, so... You're, you're screwed. <laughs> we begin with the cold opening with a random woman running through the scrub, being chased by some distant infected. We just hear the, the sort of screams and stuff in the distance. We quickly realise that this is the actress, Ashley Johnson, who was Ellie in the game, so it's very cool to see her finally in the final episode gets her spot on the series yeah i'm really glad that they um that she didn't get left out because if everybody else had their moment to shine in the show 
if they didn't include her, that would have been really shitty. Um, so that's great that they were able to incorporate her and add her into this. And it's such a vital role that she played. Um, it doesn't seem like it's very vital, but at the same time, like, it's very significant, <laughs> her character. Yeah, like, she doesn't get sort of the lengthy full episode role like Troy Baker got, but her role in this section of the episode is, I think, super crucial because we come to learn that she's pregnant and she is actually Ellie's mum. So it's the first time we've ever seen Ellie's mum in the two the two games that we have. And uh, I think it's cool that in one sense she gave birth to Ellie by portraying her in the games. Yeah. And now in the show she is giving birth to the new Ellie. Yeah, no, that is kind of a fun way of looking at it, like kind of, you know, passing the torch almost to her in, in a very non-in-your-face um, kind of way. It's really good. And the scene itself, I think, is really cool. And like, it really has that sense of impending doom and dread as she's running and you're like, she's totally screwed, but she finds this sort of abandoned farmhouse, barricades herself in, but then we... We hear that the infected that was chasing her has managed to bust into the house and now she's kind of just stuck, locked in this upstairs room. Uh, and then when it busts through the door, it's kind of like, oh, well, this lady's screwed. And at this point, we don't know that she's Ellie's mom. It's just a random pregnant woman. So mm-hmm. I kind of had the sense that, yes, this is going to be Ellie's mom, but it's not until she fights off the infected kills it with the, the switchblade that we've seen throughout the series up until this point carried by Ellie. Uh, she says she fights off the infected, but then immediately gives birth to the baby at that point and looks down and realized, realizes that she's been bitten on the inner thigh. So she kind of quickly freaks out about that. And then she names the baby and the baby's screaming. She's got Ellie's potty mouth immediately and just tells her, you fucking tell them Ellie. And it's at that point where I was like, oh, yes, this is 100% Ellie's mum. And like I said, it's a major piece of the puzzle finally filled in and cool to see them give her this moment. Yeah, no, I really liked it. Um, She's such a, her character was so dedicated to just protecting herself and her unborn child. It really shows like the, the mother-daughter bond or mother-baby bond for that matter. Um, so I think she handled it really well, um, as best as she could in that situation, but it was just a really, it's, it's really kind of scary and sad to see everything happening like that. Cause you realize that she's never going to be able to, you know, know her kid. So it's just kind of a, a bittersweet moment. Yeah. Like it's a sweet, loving, tender moment when she's holding the baby and telling it to give everyone hell, but then. It's heartbreaking too when you realize that she's bitten, so she's now officially screwed. Yeah. And I guess that is kind of where Ellie's immunity comes from. Like uh, we later find out after the title screen, Marlene comes to help her and Ellie's mum, whose name is Anna, she kind of tries to tell Marlene that I cut the umbilical cord before I was bitten and we kind of know that that's not actually Correct, but yeah, so I imagine that is kind of how Ellie got some of the sort of cordyceps in her, but not enough to then be taken over, I guess. 
Yeah, it's really weird. Like, it leaves it very open-ended um, to any kind of interpretation, whether it be, you know, it didn't fully get to her, whether it's just she was so young that her body adapted to something new being, inter you know, introduced immediately, kind of like when kids get their vaccines or whatever. Um, so there's a bunch of different possibilities as to how Ellie became immune at that point. Um, but it's a really good um, representation of it in, in the storyline that you know, was never really fully explained before. Yeah, like I imagine she she must have got like some of the sort of cells from the cordyceps coming through through the blood, not necessarily like directly into her and then like quickly cutting the umbilical cord, she only gets like a tiny little piece of it. So like I mentioned later, the infected see her as already infected so that it doesn't sort yeah. of continue to take her over and it just dies and just stops expanding so yeah I thought it was a cool way to explain her immunity that we haven't sort of had in either of the the games yeah I really I really liked the opening sequence I thought it was really strong um it's definitely a really great way of you know kicking it off and just kind of not not going with what people expect to, where it to pick up from, like where we left off on episode eight. It's nothing like that. So I love that. Yeah, it's another one of those cold opens that this show has done so well. I think it was the first two episodes had really strong cold opens that explained the origins of the outbreak, and then and then they kind of stopped doing the cold opens. They started just being like a, a standard show where it opens with the title sequence, and but then. They bring it back for this really powerful cold open to conclude the series, which I thought was very well done. Absolutely. During that moment where Marlene finds Anna with Ellie, you can see that Marlene is a little bit skeptical. And then Anna asks Marlene to take Ellie to Boston and keep her safe. She makes a vow to do just that, but kind of can't bring herself to killing Anna, even though, like, when we first see. Marlene bust into the room. Anna is sitting there with the switchblade to her neck so that the moment the sort of infection gets too much of a stranglehold on her, she can take herself out really quickly so that she doesn't then kill Ellie. Right. And it's just, it's a very, uh, it's a really crazy moment to like watch someone realize like they're going to have to end their own lives to kind of just, you know, not become part of that whole issue. Especially when you think about it in the sense that she was willing, unknowing whether Marlene was tracking her or not, like she was willing to kill herself and basically leave the baby there alone in the hopes that someone mm -hmm. would find it rather than her kill the baby herself. killing it, yeah. So it was kind of, I'd prefer yeah. to leave this baby here alone, abandoned, and give yeah. it some form of chance rather than just let this infection take hold. Yeah, it was really really rough kind of kind of emotion to see you know when you're realizing like there is nothing to have, <laughs> there's nothing left for you and you just don't really know how to deal with that <laughs> at that point and like i said marlene can't bring herself to to killing anna initially she goes to leave with ellie and we just hear anna in the background like screaming essentially begging her to come back and kill her because she doesn't want to turn and ultimately marlene relents and just goes back in and quickly kills her, like shoots her, but it's all the the final shot is kind of off screen. We just see the gun flash and that's it. 
I thought that was a great yeah. way to do that as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can see how torn up about about it Marlene was, um, which kind of explains why she's so um, involved with Ellie when she, for, like in the first episode where, where you see her and she's kind of just almost like a mother hen to her where she's like, a, you know, reassuring her like, it's okay, don't worry about it. So that kind of explains why she had that bond with Ellie at that point. And it explains why she didn't immediately kill Ellie too when she found out she was bitten. She kind of did the whole lock her up and wait and see, like, if she turns, then I'll do it, but let's wait and make sure yeah. that this is the end for her. Yeah, and the fact that, like, she had the, um, you know, the sense enough to take the switchblade and make sure that it got to Ellie eventually, um, it was just kind of one of those, like, endearing things that you don't really think of someone as Marlene would do for her, probably. Mm -hmm. And I can't remember, but I don't think... Does Ellie know that that's her mum's switchblade or is she just kind of I don't think given so. it and carries it around, like not totally understanding the context of it? Yeah, I think she's just like under the impression that it was Marlene's and Marlene just giving it to her for like salt, like protection, just like she gave her like sandwiches and stuff like that in her bag, like just in case anything really bad happens, you have a little backup. The next scene we cut to Ellie kind of sitting alone on the back of a, a ute and she's very, very quiet and sort of clearly contemplating like we're, we're near the end of this journey what what is going to happen now like it's not it's not so much an exciting adventure anymore like we're near the end we're on the home stretch and you can tell she's sort of processing that and trying to come to terms with okay this may be the end and I won't be with Joel anymore yeah I feel like she's really torn um like she obviously wants to go forward and help in any way she can but at the same time she doesn't want to deal with that whole possibility that Joel's not going to be there with her anymore because um, I feel like they've g gathered such a strong bond she doesn't know how to go on without him reassuring her like everything's going to be okay or that he's got her back. And I love the way that it's all sort of shot and framed in that moment too where it's her and then kind of everything in the background is sort of blurred out and she is alone in that moment but then Joel sort of slowly comes into focus in the background and it's like, okay, no, he's still here, still with her, but it gives you that sense that it's fading away. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting. They've done a couple different things like that, I feel, where, you know, they want to give you a different kind of perception and they're showing you, you know, that and the, the different angles and stuff. Yeah, I think some of the, the cinematography throughout the season has been fantastic and fantastic absolutely i can see this series winning a crazy amount of awards for the production and then yeah uh, i think episode three is gonna win a bunch of acting awards as well if nick offerman doesn't win an award for that it's rigged yeah, nick and murray they, they both deserve like supporting actor yeah both, both of them absolutely a cinematography team visual effects team i mean it's I feel like they got it in the bag. I don't really see anything else topping that this year. Yeah, pretty crazy that perhaps the best show of the year has come out in the first month and a half. And Pedro Pascal's having like the, the year of his life right now. Oh, yeah. That man's got everything going for him. <laughs> yeah, 2023 is the year of Pedro. I mean, whatever. I'll, I'm on that train. Let's ride it. <laughs> uh, so then when Joel slowly comes into focus he returns and we get another chef boyardee shout out 
They must have paid some money for these. That shit's nasty, too. Man, they could have gone with anything. At least it wasn't SpaghettiOs, though. Those were even worse. There was a beefaroni this time, and then... It's not so bad. We also get a, a boggle reference. Joel has found a, a boggle box that he suggests him and Ellie play, and uh, he also mentions finding a smashed-up guitar in the RV and suggests that uh, maybe he should find another guitar in the world and teach Ellie how to play, which is pretty cool, like a nice The Last of Us Part 2 Easter egg slash teaser for the future season. Hmm. I like that he's planning things with Ellie to kind of keep her mindset in like a, a positive one where he's like, hmm, we'll do that later on, you know, just dropping little things here and there so she doesn't have that whole uh, alone feeling creeping up on her again. I love that actually a lot. Yeah, like stop her having the sense that he's about to abandon her. Like, no, we're planning for beyond what happens once we get to this hospital. Yeah. And then Joel calls Ellie out because she is so quiet and reserved, which is very unusual for her. Like, they continue on their journey and she's clearly off in her own own world, like stuck in her own thoughts. And Joel calls around like, you're very quiet. Yeah. She kind of tries to brush it off, and I love that Joel has come to know when and when not to push Ellie too much. Like, when she says, no, I'm fine, he, he, he drops it, he leaves it. He doesn't, like, continue to, to push the point, which I thought was a great example of how, they, how far they have come as a team. Yeah, they've learned um, how to approach each other, when not to approach it. Like, they've learned each other's mannerisms and attitudes, and I love that it's just progressively gotten better in that sense now and then we get another cool like easter egg moment from the games in reference to sort of how you have to traverse through the world and get through some of the puzzles when joel says oh look there's a ladder up there i'll boost you up and you can drop it down i was like that's very cool uh, so they do that mm-hmm. but then ellie quickly gets distracted and just runs off and joel's like oh my god what is what has, has this girl not learned anything and it's like why is she just running away yeah, it's that typical, like, dad moment, like, please don't touch anything, please don't do that, just stay right there until I get there kind of moment, and she's just like, pew! Especially because, yeah, like, she runs out of sight, and it's like, oh, Ellie, but in this random building, and you've just run away, what are you doing? You don't know what's in there. Yeah, like, there could be dead things in there, who knows, like, ugh, she really pushes his buttons at some points, and I love it that she's willing to just kind of push him almost to the edge. Yeah, but I also think, like, in this moment, she isn't intentionally trying to push his buttons. She just has that kid wonder no. moment because we get the iconic giraffe sequence. What did you think of that moment having not played the game? Did you know this moment was coming? I didn't know to the, the extent of that scene. Um, I heard that in the game she does see things that she's never seen before, so it's very overwhelming for her. It's like a super stimulating moment and she doesn't quite know how to take it all in, so she's just having that, you know, kid kid attitude about her where she's just thoroughly amazed. Um, and I thought this was an amazing, amazing scene. Um, just like the sheer look of astonishment and amazement was wonderful. Bella gave it so much of her all in that. Oh yeah, like there's so much just like childlike joy and wonder in just looking at a giraffe. Like they are weird animals. Like, yeah. And for her to have never seen one before, I can imagine it would have just been incredibly overwhelming. Like, what the hell is this thing and why is it here? Yeah, and what's so funny is that it's just 
for her, she doesn't know any better. So, you know, she's seeing this in like the middle of a city and coming through like a window. Whereas over here, we're just like, that would never happen. Like you gotta go to a zoo to see that. So it's very interesting to see that that is her first uh, perception of, of a giraffe is just out here in the city, roaming around, chilling. And so, yeah, like we get the, the joy and wonder of that moment, but we also get the interaction between Joel and Ellie talking about how Joel tells Ellie, we don't have to do this if you don't want to. Like he kind of comes back to the idea of, yeah, she's quiet and clearly something is troubling her. So he comes back to it and kind of says, yeah, we don't have to do this if you don't want to. But her response is, after everything we've been through and everything that I've done, it can't all be for nothing. So I think that shows that, yeah, she still is a little bit troubled by the violence that has happened throughout their journey. And in particular, her killing that young boy in Kansas, paralyzing that young boy in Kansas, and then him <laughs> ultimately dying. Might as well. And then yeah. what she did to David in the previous episode as well. Like it's all clearly still affecting her, but she's kind of like, yeah, if, if we're going to do this and after everything I've done, we can't just stop now and go back to Tom. Like, this has to happen. Yeah, I feel like this is the sequence where, for me, Joel really is realizing he doesn't want to necessarily continue without Ellie being around him or, you know, things like that. He doesn't know what's really going to happen with her next because um, it's never really been explained. You know, he was just told this is cargo, get it from point A to point B in one piece. So he's not really knowing what to expect. And I think that kind of scares him a little bit because they've developed such a big bond. Mm -hmm. And then Ellie says to Joel as well, I'll follow you anywhere you go, but first we need to finish what we started. And I think that's her sort of doing what Joel has done previously and like saying, yeah, we're, we're looking beyond this hospital. This isn't just the end. Like once we get to the hospital, yeah. we're not done. You don't go your way. I go my way. We get to the hospital. Right. We find out what they need to do. We do that. And then me and you continue on and go somewhere else. I also feel like this is Ellie's way kind of of honoring Tess in a sense, like Tess wanted her to continue on. And I feel like this is uh, the moment for Ellie and Joel to both kind of carry out Tess's wishes where, you know, they don't want to give up. They want to just keep going. And that way, you know, Tess didn't sacrifice her life for nothing either, you know? Yeah, we sort of get a moment of that later on too when uh, Ellie kind of starts listing off all of the people that have died along this journey and kind of shows that, yeah, I, I don't want to just let this go away because of all of these people that have died and Joel's kind of like, no, you can't, them dying is not on you. Like that's just this world now, but let's just get this done and continue on. Yeah. The sort of crazy emotional moments continue too, as we find out that the scar on Joel's head is not from somebody else trying to shoot him. It's from a failed suicide attempt the day after the outbreak when he says, I was the guy that shot and missed. And I think you see the shock in Ellie's face at that revelation as well. Yeah, it took her a minute to catch on, but then she's just like, oh God. And who knows if she's ever had to deal with something like that. So she doesn't even really know how to process the whole like attempted suicide thing. It's very new for her. Mm -hmm. I think she kind of said, she says, oh yeah, so after she lists all the names of people that died, she says, uh, yeah, so at least time can heal all wounds. Referencing Joel is now seemingly in a much better place 
Uh, yeah. Because he's now got that bond with her, but then Joel kind of, yeah, points out that it wasn't time that healed these wounds, essentially saying to her that you're the reason that I'm okay now. Right. It's a, it's a very deep moment and a, a very deep conversation for both of them to have, um, especially like so far into their journey that it's the, it's taken them that long to become that comfortable with each other and for Joel to be that uh, comfortable and open with Ellie now. Yeah, like just them talking about, or Joel in particular, being open about his emotions and his mental state following the death of Sarah. Like we remember earlier in the season when Sarah came up, he quickly was like, you don't talk about her. And now, yeah. now he's the one bringing that up. It shows just how far mm-hmm. this bond between these two people has, has come. Oh, yeah. And then to quickly get off that crazy heavy topic, Joel's like, you know what I need? Some shitty puns. And do you remember the, the three shitty puns that they come out, come out with in this episode? I, I don't, and I really like when you, t- when you do them because you do them so well. So the first one was people are making apocalypse jokes like there's no tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And, and then Ellie's quickly like, too soon? Was that, was that one too soon? <laughs> and Joel's just looking at her like, you're an idiot. <laughs> and then the next one was moon rocks taste better than earth rocks. Why? Why? Because they're meteor. Oh boy. Yep. I need to get this pun book. I wonder if they're going to make one. A Last of Us pun book. I would really love that. I'm trying to think. I'm sure they probably have. Unless it's based on a real book. Then they probably just... That, that book probably just... As seen in The Last of Us. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, and then the final pun was... What did the green grape say to the purple grape? What? Breathe, you idiot. <laughs> I might have left at that a little too hard. <laughs> That's funny. I do. <laughs> I love that that was kind of them just trying to lighten the mood with their silly jokes and they even sort of have a bit of interaction where Joel is like, yeah, I give that one like a three out of five, three out of 10. And it was like, no way, not even like that's a five out of 10 at least. Yeah. And they, they just have that bit of back and forth and it shows again how far their relationship has come because earlier in the season when Ellie first found that book, Joel was like, shut up. I don't want to hear it. They're dumb. Yeah, no, it is. It's really fun to watch their their development together. It's such a good a good bond, like such a good story with them. But then, just as we sort of see them having a bit of fun together and really bonding over this moment, it's all quickly disrupted when a stun grenade is thrown into the the picture and explodes. And we see just before Joel gets knocked out by one of the soldiers, Ellie gets dragged away, and it's kind of like, oh no, now we're into classic Last of Us dread territory and we don't know what's about to happen. Yeah, it was a really sudden, like, in-your-face moment too, but I feel like that's just Last of Us fashion where everything's going good and then out of nowhere something bad happens. Um, So it it was perfect timing for it. I mean, you know, they're just going along their merry way, having fun, shooting the shit, and then bam. And what did you think of the way that they revealed that this was the Fireflies by... Joel sort of slowly comes out of his days in the hospital and it zooms out and we see the the Firefly logo painted on the barrel next to the bed. I was very confused because in my head I was like, oh, didn't they know? Like, shouldn't they have been expecting this, this, this and that? But also at the same time I go, oh, he, who knows if they actually knew who he was that was bringing this person, like, 
who knows what was you know conveyed to them as to what they look like or anything like that so i guess it made kind of sense to kidnap them slash attack them yeah that and i guess yeah it's also like safety first let's capture them separate them find out what's going on yeah we don't know if they're infected or not like even if that is the people that we were are expecting who knows whether they've been bitten on the way right so it's it's understandable like they want to keep everything contained just just for you know sake but we get the return of marlene as well so it's like ah okay we're in a safe place where this is all going to be fine but that's quickly turned on its head as well when she sort of talks about oh we lost half our crew on this journey across the country i don't know how you two just made it by yourself yeah and joel's like "Hmm, we just we did but that's i don't know what to tell you it's probably a lot easier to traverse the wet the width of the US with just two people, you probably make a, a lot less noise and attract a lot less attention. So I guess that makes some sense. Yeah. To be fair, also, I didn't expect Marlene to come back into the picture because I didn't, re- I, I thought her character was over in my head. I figured she attempted and she probably died or something along the way. So for her to pop back up into the scene, I was really excited to see her at first. I was like, oh, holy shit, girl made it. Hell yeah. Like, save the day. You know, everything's good now. And then, you know, she kind of just became almost like an asshole, in my opinion. Like, I didn't like her anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Straight up. So, yeah, I'm honestly not a big Marlene fan. Like, whatever. <laughs> yeah, especially when, yeah, she kind of talks about how Joel was the last person she ever wanted to be in debt to, but here we are, and then she reveals that Ellie's being prepped for surgery, and you can kind of see Joel immediately become very emotional, very concerned, and like desperate to find Ellie and make sure that this is okay, especially when Marlene reveals why she's being prepped for surgery. It's not because she's injured or anything, it's because that. The way that they think they can make a cure is by removing the cordyceps from Ellie and then using the random transmitter or proteins or whatever that's in it to make a vaccine so that everybody can have that immunity. But Joel's not having it. Joel says, uh, yeah, cordyceps grows in the brain. So no, like that's immediately going to be a death sentence because they're going to have to cut into her brain. No, yeah. You're not doing that. And that's when Joel like really becomes desperate. Like, take me to her now. Yeah, he really puts on like the Papa Bear stance. Like, where is she? You're not doing this. There's no questions. No, no if, answer, buts. I'm taking her out of here. Let me see her. Like you said, Marlene becomes a bit of an asshole in that moment because despite making that vow back to Anna at the beginning of the episode to protect Ellie and make sure she's safe, she's still willing to kill her in order to find a cure. And it's like, what the hell? Yeah, and the whole thing is, like, they, you know, I understand that they have their doctors, and, you know, Marlene's going on about how they know what they're doing, and they've studied a lot of stuff, but at the same time, like, you don't know. Like, they don't know if that's actually going to work or not. They're going in completely blind and just ready to do brain surgery on this on this girl because it might work. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck? And especially when we think back to... Episode three, when Ellie cuts into the infected and you see under the skin, like all of the cordyceps, like fibers and stuff in the person, like, it's not like it's one nice clean strand that's just going to be in her brain. Like 
it's going to be like a spider web in there and mm-hmm. you can't cleanly extract that from someone's brain without it killing them. Like you're going to have to pretty much pull her brain out and right. slowly dissect all the bits and pieces out of it. Yeah, it's absolutely, looking back at it, it is an absolutely bonkers idea that they had and the fact that they were even going to attempt it and just not clear it or not even think about it, what they were doing or second guess it, like it's crazy to me. Especially because like Marlene says like, oh, we reassured her we didn't really explain what was going to happen like we didn't scare her or anything we made sure she wasn't scared and it's like so you didn't tell her that you're probably gonna have to kill her to do this yeah it's like what the fuck like i understand letting someone down easy but at the same time level with them especially kids like ellie who have grown up in such a harsh environment like i'm pretty sure they can take shit you know at least give her the information and let her make that decision Mm -hmm. if she then says yes let's go ahead Okay, but it's a different story when you obscure the facts and just go ahead anyway. Yeah, well, I'm, I, I, obviously it's because they know that if they were to tell her, hey, you're probably going to die, she'd be like, oh, fuck you, go away, <laughs> find a different way. So it goes against what they ultimately want to do. Later in the episode, Marlene, she's still of the belief that, yeah, if they had told her, Ellie would have gone ahead with it because it, it's the right thing to do. And I'm like, maybe back in Boston, yes. But now after the journey she's been on with Joel, she has this person that she really cares about. She may not have. Right. And she's also discovered things about herself and she's grown as as a person. You know, she's able to do all these things. She's realizing the ways of the world. It's not just all rainbows and sunshine. Not that they were taught that, but, you know, there is other things to life that are out there. So then Marlene basically tells the two soldiers to escort Joel out of the hospital and out of the city. But on the way, this is when we kick into action moment when Joel quickly takes out the two soldiers in the stairwell. Not very good soldiers. Like they had, both of them had assault rifles and both got taken down by Joel like instantly. Like great job, guys. Yeah, you you learned well. Back to training, buddy. So uh, then Joel makes his way back into the hospital and He's on a warpath. He's murdering every single person that he encounters, whether they surrender their weapons and like, okay, we're not going to hurt you. He just pops them anyway. And the sound design in this moment, I thought was really cool because just like in the game, you kind of, you hear all the ambient noises and the soldiers yelling and the gunfire and stuff, but it's all sort of muted and distorted as well. So it gives you that sense that Joel's just in the zone, nothing else really matters, just move forward. And it also like increases the emotional resonance of that moment as well because you, you are like with Joel in that moment, like, I don't care what's around me, none of this matters, let's just move forward and get to Ellie as quickly as we can. Yeah, he was like a maniac. Um, it was just very interesting to watch him work so precisely, you know, just one after the other after the other, not taking any shit. He had one goal, and that was to find Ellie and get out of there. So I think he executed it really well. Mm-hmm. So then we, we get the iconic scene where he walks into the pediatric surgery unit, and you see Ellie on the, the table with the two nurses and the doctor preparing to do the surgery. And Joel bursts in. They freak out. The doctor grabs the scalpel. Joel, no hesitation, bang, takes him out. Instant kill. Very gruesome when they then pan back to the doctor afterwards and you see him on the floor, blood and brains all over the floor. Yeah. 
it was a pretty pretty gnarly thing to see. That whole sequence was uh, when he first busted in, in my head, I'm like, oh God, it's too late. They've already started kind of moment, you know? So I was just like, holy shit, what's gonna happen now? And I did not expect him to, you know, blow out the doctor's head, but you know, I mean, desperate times call for desperate measures, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I knew that was coming because in the game, you have no choice in that moment. Right. Like, it gives you the sense of choice. Like, you have to pull the trigger. Like, it doesn't just do it as a cutscene. Oh, God. But you cannot progress until you shoot that doctor. Oh, God. Oh, well, that's something. Until you kill that doctor. So you can either shoot him, you can blast him with a flamethrower. He just needs to die in order to progress. Oh, God. Okay. Sorry about your life, buddy. Shouldn't be operating on teenagers. For people that have played the second game... There is a very major reason that that doctor needs to die. Oh, okay. When we get season two of this in 2025, you'll find out why that doctor needed to die. Or when I just like pop in Last of Us Part 2. I was going to say, I don't feel like I have to play Part 1 anymore. I have the show. It's done it pretty good. So I'm going to skip over to Part 2 and maybe have better luck on that one. Uh, part 2 has a bunch of accessibility options as well. So you can scale up the difficulties and... Make it so that you automatically pick up resources and stuff. Like you don't have to press the button every single time. Like, Good. Weenie mode. That's what I need. <laughs> I, I've heard a couple of people call it baby ass baby mode. Like, There we go. That's what I need. Yes, please. The super simple, nice and easy. You essentially just go through and get the story. Like I shoot in a person's direction and they die. Like that's cool. I'd be okay with that. Awesome. Yay. Cheers. <laughs> when I played it too, there's an option to like turn on a audio cue for if there's resources in a room when you enter. Oh. I turn that on so that it just speeds up the whole, like, looting spaces. Like, you don't walk in and walk around, open every single drawer, and then find out nothing was in there. Like, you walk in, it goes, makes, like, a little chime noise. And like, okay, so there is something in this room. You, you can walk around and find it. Oh, that's convenient because I am that person that literally spends 20 minutes in a room opening every drawer and every closet trying to find shit. <laughs> Especially in The Last of Us, where they're like finding the resources is crucial. Otherwise, you, you get into spots and you're like, I have no weapons and no health and I can't do anything about it because I didn't spend the last hour searching every room in this building. I got a stick. <laughs> See how far that gets me. Uh, I just got to try and punch it quicker. That's great fun. There you go. <laughs> That'll work. Uh, so then Joel picks up Ellie. He spares the nurses, which is interesting, but he then attempts to escape and you can see that he's kind of pained by this decision to escape with Ellie rather than like just continuing on finalizing their journey but he's still desperate to get out and then Marlene pops up again in an attempt to prevent him escaping and tries to guilt Joel into like not leaving although he's just killed the doctor so if he doesn't leave there's nothing they can do anyway like the one guy that they thought could create a cure is now dead, so I'm leaving. Who cares? Yeah, fuck them all. <laughs> the way she tries to guilt him is basically he tells him that eventually Ellie's going to die because she lives in a broken world that you had the chance to fix. So she asks, what would Ellie have chosen? And Joel's just like, I don't care anymore. Mm -hmm. Then we cut to Joel driving away. Did he decide to just leave Ellie? But... We pan back and Ellie wakes up in the back seat of the car and I was like, oh, phew, thank God. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was such a weird open end to that whole scene. 
and I'm like, oh God, what the, what happened just now? And I was like, you can't do this to me. Why are you doing this to me right now? You're fucking with my head. I don't like it. And then uh, Joel tells Ellie that, oh no, you're not the only immune person. Like there was dozens of others and the doctors realized that there was no way they could make a vaccine work. So they just stopped looking for a cure. What did you think of Joel telling Ellie that? It's weird. Like, I feel like he was justified because he didn't want her to panic because obviously Ellie's had so many doubts about what she can do and, you know, the possibility of a cure. I don't think he wanted her to have that worry on her. So um, it was a really nice, gentle ease of way of uh, telling her, hey, we're just getting the fuck out. (laughs) And then he also tells her that the reason that we're quickly bailing and you're still in like a hospital robe. Uh, it's because Raiders attacked, so we just had to get out of there quickly. And then Ellie asks, is Marlene okay? And it, like, it shows that, yeah, she still like cares for Marlene because she doesn't sort of know the, the true story. And then I thought that was a very interesting moment too because you can kind of see on Ellie's face that she's a little bit skeptical of Joel's explanation for both of these moments. Yeah, she seems very... Um cautious and I think it's because she's learned that Joel is very good at stretching the truth slash manipulating kind of things to make them not seem so bad. So I do think that she's kind of hesitant as to believing everything he's told her. We cut back and we see Joel killing Marlene so he shoots her once in the stomach. She continues to like beg him to to not do this, not leave and he uh, goes back and takes a second shot uh, straight up gangland execution style and takes her out and he says like essentially if I don't do this you're just going to keep coming after her so that's it you're done. To be fair I didn't I didn't feel sorry for her I was glad that Marlene got killed. Yeah. She deserved it. I thought she was a great person and then she just like immediately flips her switch even though she like told Ellie's mom like don't worry I got her covered and she seemed really concerned and genuine towards Ellie and then at the end of the day she was like well we need a cure so you know it's fine. <laughs> yeah it was one of those moments where you're like eh, yeah you kind of deserved it you went from cool to shit so see ya. Yeah bye. <laughs> Cut back to Joel and Ellie again. They're on their way, returning to Wyoming. The car that they're in breaks down, so they have another five-hour hike ahead of them, and they're like, okay, we can do this. We're sweet. And then Joel continues to talk about Sarah, which I thought was another very interesting moment where you can see Ellie in the background still looking sad about, I'm still not sure what what happened. Uh, I feel bad that we're not now making this cure that, was kind of like my whole life's goal up until that point. Mm-hmm. And Joel is now bringing up Sarah and comparing the two girls, although he's very like quick to and worried about like offending Ellie by what he's saying as well. Like he's quickly like, she was such a girly girl, not to say that you're not a girl. And she had a great smile, not to say that you don't have a great smile. Yeah, it was like he was walking on eggshells. He didn't want to, you know, offend her or anything, but he's realizing that as much as they are alike in certain things, they're completely opposite too. But I think that's why he he's drawn to Ellie so much and really does want to protect her is because she does remind him so much of Sarah. We get to the top of this like big hill and look out and we see uh, Jackson City with Tommy and everything, or the settlement with Tommy, which is a very crucial moment because that places them back in the correct place to continue 
the story from The Last of Us Part 2 in Season 2. And this is where Ellie lists off the names that everyone that she's cared about that she's seen die, especially bringing bringing up Riley again and finally telling Joel that, yeah, this is how I was bitten. I was with this person and she was the first person I saw die and then I've subsequently seen all of these other people die. I was like, oh, that's a very powerful moment for her to finally open up about everything that she's been clearly troubled by this episode. Yeah, absolutely. It just shows that at this point, I feel like she completely trusts Joel 100% with everything that she can think of. You know, she doesn't want to keep anything from him anymore. Um, She's not afraid anymore to kind of open up to him and let him in. And then we end the episode and the season on Joel's big lie that the doctors realized there was no cure, which is straight from the game. When Ellie asks him to swear that everything that he said about what happened at the hospital and the fireflies was true, which he does, and you can kind of see in Ellie's eyes that she's still doubtful, but she accepts it. And okay, so now it's me and you, and we're going down to Jackson, and we'll go from there. Yeah, it was a it's a really it was a really great conclusion to the season. Um, Nothing really was left wide open. I like the fact that they were able to tie all the ends up um, as far as this, the characters from this first season are concerned. So I, I really appreciated that, actually. I've always loved that ending of this story, too, because it kind of leaves leaves Joel in a weird place. Like, is Joel, like, the hero, or is he the bad guy for basically dooming the, the world forever, or...? It leaves him in this very grey position, but because we've kind of grown this bond with Ellie, I'm always leaning more towards he's the hero because he's kept this young girl alive. But yeah, there is that other flip side where it's like, yeah, well, but he just doomed the world for eternity now. But in a sense, I'm I'm wondering if Joel's whole mindset is, well, maybe we can figure out a different way of creating a cure from Ellie you know, or if Ellie is able to be immune, what if there's another person out there like her mm-hmm. and they just don't know about it? So there's a lot of possibilities. And I, I don't want to think that Joel is just really heartless and doesn't give a shit. I want to think that that was his mindset is that there is a possibility that there could be more than just her out there. And like we've said, there was no guarantee that the cure was going to work. The surgery they were going to do was going to ultimately provide a cure. Like it was all... Let's wait and see. So I'm with y'all. I'd have done the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck a Marlene. Dumb bitch. <laughs> Sorry. I don't care. So in terms of ratings for this episode and then for the season as a whole, what would you give the two? This episode was another five for me. It ended perfectly. It was, like I said, it was a great conclusion to the to the season. Nothing was left to question, really. Um, you saw a great character development with Ellie and Joel that came to a great ending, and they're on a great note. Um, as far as the show is concerned, it's one of the best shows I've ever probably watched for a while now, and I think it was a great adaptation. Um, I like the fact that it has not been a carbon copy of the game. <clears throat> There's a lot of people that are kind of indifferent with certain things and they're not very happy but when I watch an adaptation of something I don't want it to be a carbon copy because then I just go play the game and I wouldn't want to watch it on tv (laughs) yeah I'm the same so this episode is a five and yeah like you said I'm so happy that they didn't just 
exactly copy beat for beat the game. Like they made they made some changes, they added some bits, but they all all of those changes furthered the story, expanded the world, gave the characters and everything in the world more depth. So I'm so glad that they did that and made it its own separate thing that you can enjoy and then you can go and play the game and enjoy that for a whole very similar story but get different things out of it and yeah very well done and I'm I'm also glad that they did this first season as the entire game okay so we do get that wrapped up story even though there is a little bit of open-endedness towards the ending but it is a, a very concluded story because obviously when they started they weren't sure what the reception was going to be whether they would get a second season thankfully we have already seen yeah that has been confirmed so i'm excited for season two potentially season three if what i imagine is going to have to happen because that second game is 30 40 hours long like it's quite a long game with a lot of stuff that happens so i would split it into two and make it two seasons filmed simultaneously, release 2025-2026, and then go from there. I heard a lot of people um, suggest that about this first season that they wa- they expected them to split it up into two different seasons or like a part one and a part two of season one, just because I've heard from a few different people now, they feel like it's too rushed. But I think it had a decent pace personally, even though I've never played the game, I feel like it went at a good pace. I don't feel like any of it was rushed. No, I feel like each episode was a story. Mm-hmm. Every episode had a start, middle, and end, and you, you felt satisfied by every episode. There weren't any episodes where it ended. Apart from like that university scene where Joel gets stabbed and passes out, and you're like, oh, crap, what's going to happen? Yeah, right. Of the nine episodes, all the others, they end, and you're like, okay, that's the story. Yeah, it's kind of like chapters in a in the game yeah there's there's no like crazy cliffhangers where you're like okay i need to wait for the next episode to make sure i know what happened but that really only happens in that university episode where joel passes out and you're like oh crap what's gonna happen but right in saying that it, it is also a contained story in that sense like the whole university and the moments in jackson are all concluded so right each episode can be consumed itself but then on the grand scale as the season it is also a contained story, but I'm still keen for season two. And like I said, some of those people, some people are hating the way the changes they've made, but I loved every change they made. I thought it all added to the story. Yeah, absolutely. So that's The Last of Us on HBO fully wrapped up. Thank you everyone for listening to the commentary booth. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe on podcast services and on YouTube. You can follow Karina on Instagram at Miss Karina Renee, and you can follow me on social media at Jamie Ups Media and at Pario Magazine. The Commentary Booth is a fan-funded production of Jamie Apps Media. You can support the podcast alongside our magazine, Pario Magazine, on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Media. The following people supported at the community support group level or higher, and you cannot fathom how incredibly appreciative we are for their support. Brian and June Hart, Blake Robinson, Rena Renee, Courtney Paulson, Darren Hatcliffe, Jackson Carr, and Tracy Epps.